All right, you guys ready? Awesome. Well, uh, most of you guys know we have a special guest with us today. Um, obviously, you guys have known him a lot longer than I have, so you, you guys will probably do a much better job introducing him. But, but uh, the other day, I had the opportunity to meet uh, Mr. Viv. We went to lunch, I think, on Tuesday, if I remember right. It's been a long week. Um, and I guess we were together probably about three hours or so, and I, I guess say in that three hours, absolutely fell in love with this guy's heart and his uh, heart for God, heart for people. And, um, you know, just it, it was really interesting. And I don't know if he'll say it in a minute, but uh, when a guy that's been in ministry this long, <laughs> this long, long time, when uh, it's so neat, most most guys get so uh, stuck in their ways. Uh, but as he was sharing with us at lunch the other day, uh, God's been burning a new thing in his heart. And uh, really, really, you know, I guess what I admired about this is the humility and the openness to the voice of God and what God is speaking to him now and, uh, and the change that that's causing in their ministry and their lives. And so uh, there's no doubt that we have a gift here before us today. Uh, a verse I want you to think about simply is as we were praying this morning, the Bible says this, that if you receive a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. And uh, there's a lot of things you could go into that, but what's one of the rewards of a prophet is the ability to hear. And so, in other words, when you receive the man of God and the giftings that are upon their life, it actually opens that up for you. And uh, not only to hear from God and to receive from God, but it also takes you to a new level uh, in your own personal walk. So today we have a gift, and we want to treat him as such. Amen. So if you can, let's just welcome uh, Pastor Viv, Mr. Viv, Bishop Viv, Apostle Viv, whatever you go by. Hey, come on in, brother. Amen. Thank you. It's a tremendous pleasure to receive such a welcome. We feel honoured and privileged to be here and uh, to share with you. I am down, though my soul gets weary. When troubles come, my heart burdens me. Then I am still Wait here in the silence Until you come And sit a while with me You raise me up So I can stand on mountains You raise me up To walk on stormy seas I am strong when I am on your shoulders. You raise me up to more than I can be. There is no life, no life without its hunger. Each restless heart beats so imperfectly. But when you come and I am filled with wonder, sometimes I think I glimpse eternity. You raise me up so I can stand on mountains. You 
raise me up to walk on stormy seas. I am strong when I am on your shoulders. You raise me up to more than I can be. Come, love, found for every person. Tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing. Go for songs of lover's praise. Teach me some melodious song, sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mount, I'm fixed upon it. Mount of thy redeeming love. Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I come. And I hope by thy good pleasure, safely to sang that song is because sometimes we're confronted with things that we feel like it's impossible to do <laughs> have you been there and uh, what I want to talk to you about is um, something that many of us really struggle with and we find impossible um, <clears throat> but the fact of the matter is that um, as Jesus said with men these things are impossible but with him, with God all things are possible. 
And the interesting thing I find about that scripture is that we often quote it and we, we think that, um, that what it's saying is that, that with God or for God, nothing is too difficult. Is that right? And it would be true, wouldn't it, that there's nothing too difficult for God. Um, and we think, yeah, there's nothing too difficult for God. But what the scripture is saying, there's nothing too difficult with God. And that is a, talking about a partnership. Amen? And I'd like to start by reading uh, a, a verse of scripture with you, a few verses of scripture. And it, they're verses that um, you all know very, very well. I'm absolutely certain about that. And... Um, and uh, probably it doesn't sound as though this is going to be very exciting, but I assure you this is really important for you because this is all about your life mission. I want to talk to you because some of us are all sitting around thinking, I wonder what God wants me to do. Where does God want me plugged in? Well, I've come, in to, I've come this morning to tell you. So that's all right, isn't it? But I also know that it's too difficult for you as well. So don't, but don't worry about that because I've got the answer for that as well. So no worries there then. So, it's perhaps not surprising that this subject of mission, life mission, was central to Jesus' interaction with his disciples. In fact, that's what he, he in, in, in the book of Mark, he, he says, it says he chose twelve that they might be with him. He chose twelve that they might be with him. And then a bit later on it says, and that he might send them to preach about the kingdom. And uh, I believe that this is a life mission for everybody who owns the name of Christ. And uh, one such instance about Jesus uh, talking about mission took place when he appeared to his disciples once more on a mountain in Galilee, here in what has become known as the Great Commission. It's in Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. And I want to read uh, that with us this morning. And we see that the central mission that Jesus had given his followers both then and now is this. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And I'm going to outline three aspects of this and I want to unpack this a little bit because I think sometimes um, if you're anything like me, that's why I sang that, that old hymn. My heart is prone to wander and get off on other things. And God has to bring that and I have to bind my heart back to Jesus again. Otherwise I'll get off doing my own thing. And my heart is prone to wander. I'm leaky. I don't know about you, but you know I can get filled up with God and then... I, and then ten minutes later, all of a sudden, I feel dry as anything. And uh, so, anyway, here we are. I want to say that first and foremost, that the source of our mission is Jesus. He's the source of it. He's the one that said it. And listen, you know, if Jesus says something to us, we better listen. Is that right? What do you reckon? Probably, if he's Lord, that is, of course. Because a lot of people who call themselves Christians haven't actually made Jesus Lord. Which means, you know, when he says jump, you say how high, right? Uh, but anyway, we won't get into that too much. But uh, if we're to discover the ultimate reason for which we were created, we have to go to the Creator Himself. That's the only place you'll find the, the reason, because He had a purpose, which He 
uh, uh, Paul says in, to the Ephesians, he says, the eternal purpose of God which he accomplished in Christ Jesus. Jesus has and is the eternal purpose of God and he is using us in that. And so hence, it's highly significant that before Jesus commissioned his disciples, he reminded them of his authority to do so. And he makes this stunning declaration right there at the beginning. He says, he says to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's a pretty sweeping statement, isn't it? Now, if anybody comes to you and says, listen, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, you better listen to what comes out of their mouth next. Isn't that right? Because this guy's obviously carrying some weight. His word carries some weight. In fact, his word was so weighty that the whole earth was created through that word. Amen? So it's pretty weighty. So uh, Jesus, the man who was anointed and uh, crucified, is now risen, is also the divine Son of God and has received his authority both as the Son of God but also from God the Father. He not only has authority because he's the creator but he's received authority from God the Father. And so it's interesting, isn't it? Second, notice the extent of his authority. It's universal. In heaven and on earth. Previously in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus has made a claim to having authority on earth to forgive sins. He's got that authority, right? But now his authority goes even further than the earth. It encompasses the whole of the heavens and the earth. And uh, so we see... That, that he has this authority. So it's more striking still that he declares that all things have been committed to me by my Father. How many things? That's pretty all-embracing, isn't it? All things. All authority. It's pretty encompassing that, right? So it's pretty important that we listen to what comes out next. <laughs> yes? Okay. And we know what that, because the implications of this claim that all things have been given to him by his Father, all authority in heaven and earth belongs to him. The implications are huge. And in the context of the Great Commission that immediately follows, it highlights that Christ alone has true authority over all creation. We were worshipping him this morning, and as as we're worshipping him, I'm thinking about this. Goodness, no wonder we worship him. Goodness! I mean, he deserves to be worshipped. I mean, and for him to call us friends, well, that's another thing. And, and I think about, and we were, you were talking about that love, weren't you? And it came, just comes pouring out on me. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are, John says. We are the children of God. And the interesting thing about children is that they always get an inheritance from their parents. God has an inheritance for us. That's what the spirit of adoption is all about in, in Romans chapter 8. And I, I can't go there, but it, there's so much. Can I just say that while we were worshipping, I felt God say something to me for the church as well. And, uh, and, and this is what I felt him say. is that you, you know, you've, you've seen some stuff. You've seen some good things. You've seen some wonderful things. You've seen God's hand of salvation. But I believe God would say to you, you haven't seen nothing yet. 
because when you see what he's about to do in your midst, you're going to turn around and say, you know, everything we had was just superficiality compared to this. God wants to take you deeper. Not just in worship, but in him. And I tell you, growing up is going to change you. It's going to change you. And uh, I believe that. And that's not a a comment or or a criticism on anything that's gone before. But God has a process. And he's taken you through a process. And it's time, it's time for him to take you deeper. Anyway, so uh, there's an assurance uh, that, that Christ has all authority. So this assurance to his disciples then and now is that when we go to share the good news, we're not going in our own authority, but in the authority of the one who's now King of kings and Lord of lords. And I can only assume, as I was reading this morning, that when Peter and the guys get hauled in front of the Sadducees and the chief, and the chief priests and the temple the guards and all that for preaching Jesus and preaching resurrection. That's all I can assume is that they were absolutely aware of their authority. Because these were just unlearned fishermen, but all of a sudden they knew and they said, and these guys, can you imagine when President Obama looks you straight in the eye and you turn around to him and say, now you judge for yourself whether it's right to be obedient to men or to God. I mean, that's the kind of level that they were dealing with. They knew that they had authority because that authority had come from the one who had all authority in heaven and in earth. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the creator. He's the sustainer. And he's the fulfiller of every situation and circumstance. And so, our life, that's our life mission. The source is Jesus. Now, the goal of our mission. So, we've talked about the source of our mission. Now, I want to talk about the goal of our mission. The goal of our mission is to transform lives. The goal of our mission is to transform lives. And the goal of our mission is to have our own lives transformed. Because you know what? You can't give to somebody something that you haven't got yourself. And uh, this call is clearly laid out in Matthew 28. Go and make disciples of all nations baptising them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And the main clause of this sentence is the call to make disciples. Now a disciple, the Greek word for disciple is mathetes. It means a learner, not just a follower. We've got people in, in where I live that follow Manchester United. You know, they're keen Manchester United followers. They're fans. But I tell you what, when Manchester United are not doing too well, all of a sudden, all this is happening and they're quite, not quite so fanatical anymore. Isn't that funny? But Jesus isn't after fans. He's after followers. He's after people who will learn to be like him. And that's what, that's what all this is about. That's why you're in church. That's why God's not interested in superficiality. He wants a people that think like him act like him and speak like him because he wants to hand over the running of this earth and this world and this cosmos to you and me. That's a pretty high calling, friends. You see, heaven belongs to God, but earth is given to man. That's what the Bible says. Nevertheless, we look, Peter says, for a new heavens and a new earth wherein righteousness dwells. 
If you think, you know, as long as you keep your nose clean, when you die you'll shoot off onto a cloud with a harp for eternity, forget it. You can have work to do. And the work that we've got to do is the work that God gave to Adam and Eve, to mankind, right in the garden in the first place. And see, what you see in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, you don't see again in the Bible until Revelation 21 and 22. They're the only four chapters in the Bible where there's no curse, there's no sin, and there's no fall. And the whole of Genesis 3 to Revelation 20 is the story of how God restores all things under the lordship and kingship of King Jesus. But that's another message, but we're not going to go there either. But so here we are, the main clause is this call to make disciples or other uh, learners and followers of Jesus. And the three subsequent clauses are the call to go, baptise and teach. Go into all the world. Go. Now, that doesn't mean just go. What it means is, because that only limits this to, to a few people, right? What, it, what the literal translation is, is this. As you go, or in your going. Well, where are you going tomorrow, sir? Where are you going tomorrow morning? Nowhere. You're going to have to go somewhere. Day off. Right, so, so you don't go anywhere on your day off. Right, you never speak to anybody, you never do anything, you never go to the shop, you just sort of float in there in this kind of sort of, is that right? Okay, well I don't really need to talk to you. It's the Lord that needs to talk to you. Where are you going tomorrow? Yeah, yeah. Bike ride. You're going for a bike ride? On on your own? Oh yeah. Not with anybody else. You're pretty antisocial, aren't you? I tell you, this church is more needy than I thought it was. Where are you going tomorrow? Uh, we're planning to go to the beach. You're planning to go to the beach. That's a good one, that. Uh, now, I don't know what your plans are. You think, you think you'll go in there for, you know, for a picnic and, you know, and all that. But actually, the reason you'll go in there, in your going, the reason you're going is to make disciples. Because it's as you go, in your going, be ready. My wife's telling me what to preach now, so. Uh, but I won't. I'm, I won't. I will not. I won't. But the literal translation of go is in your going, as you go, if it's to the shops, if it's to the office, the factory, uh, you know, out on, the, on your lobster boat, wherever you're going, that's an opportunity for you to make disciples. And, uh, 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 and it's just so important. So, so, let's look at them briefly in turn, focusing especially on the call to go. Go At the very heart of our life mission is the call to go and see other people transformed. I find it helpful to summarise how we are to go by looking at three W's. Works, words and wonders. When I'm serving people, when I'm doing something, see, we're going out there to India, we're building a a medical centre, a children's home. The Hindu uh, president 
of the village who we had to get his permission to build this thing and start the work he's come to us and he's seen our works and he said you know what you're doing such a great thing what we're going to try and do is find a piece of land that you can build a church on this is in a nation where pastors are being beheaded and being per- Christians are being persecuted by a radical Hindu party which is like the Hindu equivalent of ISIS really and they're saying, because they've seen the works. And then, then when we do these works, it gives us something of an opportunity to share some words with them. Why are we doing this? And then, of course, we believe, I believe, I don't know whether you do, I'm sure you do actually, I believe that when we speak our words, the Lord will confirm them with signs following. Wonders. People will be healed. People will be set free. Things will change. I call it fruitfulness, multiplication and authority. That's what God said in chapter 1. He said over Adam and Eve, be fruitful, multiply and have authority. Subdue the earth. Fill the earth. The mandate hasn't changed. Be fruitful. What does fruitfulness look like? It looks like people are full of love, peace, joy, kindness, self-control, patience, gentleness, goodness, And you know, when you've got fruit in your life, you know what's inside the fruit, don't you? Seed. When you produce fruit in your life, you'll have seed to sow into the life of others. And that's where the multiplication comes from. Multiplication. And when we we subdue the earth, we fill or replenish, the Bible says, the earth. So we've got these works. We're called to go and reach people for Jesus through our works. Earlier in this Gospel, Matthew records the famous Sermon on the Mount. And one of the remarkable statements he makes to his disciples is this. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everybody in the house. In the same way, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Wow. You know this, you've heard all this before, but you know, I think we constantly need to be reminded of it. I suppose 99% of Christians have thought about this, have heard various millions of sermons on it, you know, but uh, the problem that we've got, and this is what discipleship's about, it's not about knowing something, it's about doing something with what you know. That's what discipleship's about. People moan, don't they, about graduates that come out of university and have got a string of, of, of qualifications, but they don't know what to do on the job. <laughs> In the West, we go to that many seminars, sermons, got it piped off the internet, on the television, we hear all this stuff, and yet, in a recent survey of North American evangelical Christians, in that all those that were surveyed, 97% of all of those surveyed had never led anyone to Christ. And I tell you, it's probably worse in England. <laughs> really. I find that a challenge. And so, we do these works, but we must not stop there. Because, you know, someone once said, Francis of Assisi, everybody loves quoting Francis of Assisi. You've probably heard it. It's a famous quote, which we've got completely wrong. It says, he says, uh, go and preach the gospel 
And if necessary, use words, right? So he's saying, let your work shine, which is nothing wrong with that. But he didn't say that. He didn't say if necessary, he said when necessary. See, it's always going to be necessary. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It doesn't come by mowing some lady's lawn for her or or building a medical centre. We have to declare the word of the Lord because this gospel, this good news of the kingdom is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe. Amen? So why aren't we declaring it? Well, we are declaring it, but from a distance. And that's not what Jesus is interested in. He's not interested in us making decisions. He wants to make disciples, not believers, but learners and followers. And as we live the life and do the good works, this will often open up doors for us to speak words concerning the essence of the good news of Jesus. This comes out clearer in the ancient version of the, uh, of the Great Commission found at the end of Mark's Gospel. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptised will be saved. We have good news. So we mustn't keep it to ourselves, but go and tell others. Why? Because it's only through hearing the good news that people can believe and be saved. Often the best way to speak about Christ is first to share your story, your testimony. I love doing that. I, trouble is I get so embarrassed because I get halfway through it and I'm, I'm crying my eyes out at the, at the greatness of God, you know, to, who saved a hardcore, gold-plated, card-carrying heathen like me. I was just incredible. Uh, but, you know, we may share our story first, but then we need to seek for opportunities to share his story, the good news, the gospel, or invite someone to come and hear the gospel through a church guest service or an alpha course or something like that. But I, I think that's a cop-out. I think we need to know that, you know, that we can preach, you can preach the gospel as well as I can. In fact, better. Because, you see, you have a relationship with the person you're talking to. It makes it much... Because we know there's loads of people up there behind pulpits. And later on we get very discouraged to find that their lives didn't match the words that they were speaking. But they know that you're authentic. They know that you're authentic because they've observed your conduct in your life. Anyway, so first we must go and make disciples and secondly we should baptise. Baptism is not the way that someone becomes a Christian but it's the sign that someone has become one. (laughs) That's how we identify with the body of Christ. In the same way that a Jew would be circumcised in the same way we're baptised. That identifies us. In India, you know, we've got lots of people who, who kind of accept Jesus. I mean, you've got three million gods, what's one more here or there? Not a problem. But it's when it comes to being baptised, when you're saying that I believe Jesus is Lord, he's the only way, 
And I'm going to turn from everything else and follow him and identify with the renewed, redeemed, restored people of God. That's where the, that's where the rubber hits the road, as they say. And so, it's a vital next step after someone has repented and believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we have to encourage those that come to faith to express their faith in Christ by being baptised as soon as possible. Thirdly, of course, we're instructed to teach. I want to tell you, we can all teach. You know, you only have to be one step further on from the next guy and you can teach him something. That's what coaching is all about, right? You don't have to wait till you've got it all dead down. Get going on it, because you'll learn in the process. I was, you know, I'd only, I was only six months in the Lord, and they asked me to start leading the youth group. Well, they knew more than I did. I, I mean, I, really. I mean, but, you know, I had to study. I had to work at it. And, you know, and it, that was one of the biggest learning curves when I was trying to find something to feed others with. It was one of the biggest learning curves for me. And the commission says, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. This isn't about knowledge, it's teaching them to obey. Teaching them to do what I'm saying that you should be doing. And what's he just told them to do? Go and make disciples. (laughs) It's a life mission. This is about a lifetime of instruction and life change. In other words, once you see someone come to Christ, your job's only just started. You know, because we live in this culture of uh, who wants to accept Jesus into their heart? Who doesn't want to go to hell? Who would like to go to heaven? I see that hand, I see that hand. These are just decisions. You're actually, and you think, oh great, 150 people got saved. You see it in crusade meetings all over the world. Where are they in six months' time? Nothing's changed. It's teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. Your job. See, mums will testify, anybody who's a mum in here will testify that giving birth is only the beginning. It's a tough thing, it's an important thing, but it's only the start. It's going to take a lifetime to get this kid walking the way he should, right? Anyway, um, if this commission to make disciples go in baptising and teaching sounds a little bit daunting, then take heart because we're not left alone. Jesus finishes the Great Commission by reminding himself of something. And that's my third point. The source is Jesus. Yes? The source is always Jesus. The goal is transformation of lives. But uh, the other thing that we need to know is thirdly, that he's going to be with us. He's the power. His presence. I have a friend, or I had a friend, unfortunately, I say unfortunately, fortunately, he's gone to be with the Lord, which is far better, right? We always say unfortunately, but actually, he's really enjoying himself right now, I'm sure. His name was Ray Holtman, he came from Quincy, Illinois, and, uh, and uh, he was uh, about seven feet tall. Uh, I don't, do you do feet in inches here, or metres? Well, I wouldn't know what metres are anyway. So he's seven feet tall and he weighs in around 350 pounds. Um, he, he had these buckskins on and because uh, he used to go up amongst, in, in, you know, amongst like, can you say Eskimos? I don't think. 
Inuits. Yeah, but anyway, up there, you know. And uh, so he's there, and uh, we're walking around. He's an evangelist, and we're walking around. And I used to teach, I was a PE teacher, and I used to often go around, and as I drove past, I saw all the kids that were at school in the daytime, all, all crowded around the shop front, you know, on the, on the estate, all having a smoke and, you know, and all just having a laugh and getting together. And I used to think, oh, I, I really need to go and tell these kids, you know, about Jesus, you know. And, uh, and uh, anyway, Ray and I were going out for a walk. And, uh, and we came across the kids in the storefront. So I said, I really would like to talk to these kids, right? So he says, come on then. I thought, whoa, okay. Anyway, um, he's there and seven feet tall, 350 pounds. He's got a hook on one hand. He'd lost a hand in a corn picking accident. Got this great beard, you know. And he's looking and he looks like this, you know. And, um, and uh, well, the kids are all like this, you know. So, so Ray says, go on, go ahead. So I said, well, boys, I said, you know, and I, I start and I get into it and I'm telling them about Jesus and I'm telling them what a difference God's made in my life and, and so on and so forth. And it, probably it wasn't very good the way I did it, but the fact of the matter was we told them. We walked away and I thought, oh, man, if only I had Ray Holtman with me every day, you know, I could really do this. And as I'm thinking this very thought, the Holy Spirit said to me, actually, you've got somebody a lot bigger than Ray Holtman with you. And I realised, and I can remember being in this village right out in the middle of nowhere in India, and, uh, and uh, we had a, a new vehicle that we'd bought for the pastor, and we're right out here with this new vehicle, and this bullock cart comes around on this dirt track, and right down the side of the vehicle with, the, with the, uh, the wheel of the bullock cart. Anyway, the guys are all out there. Oh, look what you, look, you know, and all this kind of stuff. Good goodness me. And all this kind of stuff's going off. And of course, when something like that happens, the whole village comes out and they're flocking around seeing these guys. Are oh, they going to come to blows and everything? And I says to DB, my friend, I said, this is a great opportunity. And I, I, gets, up, I gets up on the vehicle and I, I says, Listen! And I begin to preach the gospel. And I did, I shared the gospel. And at the end of it, I said, if anybody's sick here, just come forward. And two elderly people came forward and God healed them instantly. That night, we held a gospel outreach service and nearly the whole village came. And, uh, and it was just a fantastic time of just taking that opportunity. Why did I say that? Oh yeah, because I knew that I had somebody bigger than Ray Holtman with me. And not only is he with me, all right, all righty then. In fact, he's not only with you, he's in you by the Holy Spirit. I often think, and this is a big thing for me, this is why I'm so much about making disciples. We need to understand this guy isn't going to do it for you. He's not going to do it for you, he can't. He's going to help you to do it. Sheep, shepherds don't beget sheep. Shepherds look after the sheep so they're healthy, so they can have sheep for themselves. <laughs> Ain't that a relief? <laughs> yeah. 
You know, the Holy Spirit came upon people in the Old Testament, special people. Special people. Kings, prophets, judges. The Holy Spirit would come on them to do great things. But Jesus says, it's far better that I go. What's better than having Jesus walking with you instead of Ray Holtman? Physically, by you. And what's better than that is that if I go, I'll send the Holy Spirit and it won't just be the odd prophet and king and warrior and judge. It'll be everyone. For I will pour out my Spirit, says the Lord, on all flesh and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will have ministries. Your old men will have ministries. All of us, anointed with the Holy Ghost and power. Jesus of Nazareth, anointed with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. The same Holy Spirit is upon us. And unless we get a grassroots movement where everybody's out there, because he's not going to get into your office, into your shop, into your hospital ward, into your... uh, bike ride or, or, or hanging out at the beach he's not going to be there you're going to be the one that's going to be there he's not going to meet all the members of your family and then this is the great promise the very last verse of the entire gospel we have this promise of Christ's abiding presence and surely I am with you to the very end of the age In making this promise, Jesus was looking forward to his ascension at the end of 40 days, to the outpouring of the Spirit. This means, amazingly, that we are now living in a better age than the disciples were. And when Jesus was physically present with them, I often used to think, it must have been great to be there. This truth is highlighted in Jesus' words when he said, I tell you the truth, it's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counsellor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And as we read again in John's Gospel, Jesus makes this remarkable promise. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. You know him. He lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. John 14, verses 16 and 18. Here's the staggering truth. We're never alone. Through the unlimited Spirit of God, who comes not to just be with us, but live in us, we're never alone. Jesus is personally present all the time. He's here to strengthen and comfort us in our own walk with him. That's why I sang, you raise me up so I can walk on waters. You lift me up, I can walk on stormy seas, climb mountains. Jesus is personally present in our own walk with him and empowers us as we seek to carry out his commission, the Great Commission. And so as we step back and look at this Great Commission, which is the shape of our life mission, let me encourage you to go to Jesus and study his commission. Why not make a list of people that you know, people at work, people in your family, your friendship circle, your neighbourhood who don't know Christ, then pray for them, pray for them on your own. 
or in a small group and start to begin to believe. You know, uh, I, I have this way, of, 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 it's an acronym that I'm going to share with you. People find a, bl- a blessing because they all know that they can actually do these things, right? I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a few things that you can all do without exception. Okay, and the acronym is on the word BLESS. And B stands for, it's a bit contrived, but B stands for begin with prayer. Begin with prayer. Pray for these people. People you know at work, in your family, in your friendship circle. In your life. Begin with prayer. How many people could do that? Some of you still haven't got your hands up, but there you go. There's always somebody, right? Begin with prayer. We can all do that, can't we? Oh Lord, bring somebody across my path, a person of peace. You know, let me just let you away, let, let you out of a, a, a long held mis, uh, mistake. God does not want you, is not commanding you to go and speak to people who don't want to hear what you've got to say. He's not. You're not there to stick your neck out and get it chopped off. Jesus said, look for the person of peace. A person of peace is somebody who's ready to hear what you've got to say. You don't do any good by ramming the gospel down people's throats. But there's thousands and thousands of people out there that God is already at work in. The job we have is to go and find out who they are. And how you do it is by just saying a little thing. And when they come back to you and say, oh, how does that work then? you know you've got some permission. You don't have to back people up against the wall and, well, oh, now your blood's off my shoulders and all this sort of stuff. You don't, don't go there. We're to be ready in season and out of season to give a reason for the hope that's in us to all who ask. So get delivered of that for a start off. Because I tell you what, if God isn't drawing somebody, you can forget it. You won't get anywhere. In fact, you just may make things worse. So, begin with prayer. The second thing that we can all do is listen. How many people can listen? Right? Two ears, one mouth. Why do we use our mouth twice as much as we use our ears? I don't know. But listen. Listen to what they've got to say. Listen to where they're at. Listen to what their situation is. Just listen. Here's a third one. And I suspect that there's quite a few of you can do this third one. E stands for eat. How many people can do that? Right. Now what that means is, invite them out for a cup of coffee and a, and a, a biscuit. Invite them round for lunch. Invite them round for supper. Or tea as we call it. Invite them round for tea. Eat. That's one of the best places of developing relationship is around a meal table over a cup of coffee. Fourth one, S. S stands for story. Right? No, S stands for serve, sorry. How many people could serve? Some, help that person around there, that little old lady who can't get out and needs to get some groceries in. Somebody struggling to change the... You know, and needs a lift to take their car to the garage to get their brakes fixed or something like that. 
you know, serve people. I tell you what, if, if you pray for people, listen to them, eat with them, and serve them, do you know what's going to happen? They're going to ask you, what's all this about then? What's that all about? And the, and, and the last S is story. You have a story, I have a story. Learn how to tell your story. Learn. I, I teach people. I say, Here's, you've got to learn how to do it in three minutes. Because sometimes you don't get any more than that. And, you, and, just, and that will help you. Tell them, this is what my life was like. This is how Jesus saved me. And this is what life's been like since. And tell them. And who knows? If you can, if you can do that, you might even be able to tell them God's story. For God so loved the world. We started with it. And that's where I'm finishing. And so I believe all of us can do that. I'm putting it down to bite size. Who believes that with the Holy Spirit with us, that we could actually have a go at that? Just begin with prayer. I'm not saying go through the whole lot. Just begin with prayer and see what will happen. And because when our eyes are open and we're looking for it, you know, sometimes, you know, you go, don't you? Through journeys. And then all of a sudden... Because you're looking for something, you see it. You've passed it like thousands of times before, but all of a sudden, because you're looking for it, it's there. And uh, I believe. And so, let me pray with you. I want to finish with a prayer of thanksgiving. And ask the Lord to give us this renewed enthusiasm, strength and wisdom to actually engage with what's every single one of us. It's our life mission. Go and make disciples. He wasn't just speaking to the pastor and the elders and the evangelist and the prophet. He was speaking to every single one of us. And uh, it's a hard call, I know, in a sense, but we've got somebody with us. And uh, breaking it down to that little begin with prayer, listen, eat, that gets us on the route. And before you know where you are, you're sharing something of spiritual value, words of eternal life with people and you think, wow, how did I get there? It's happened. Father, I just pray, Lord, uh, I know it's your heart. Jesus, you said, look around you. The fields are white unto harvest, but the labourers are few. Lord, I I truly believe with all of my heart that um, because your church, your people, have not embraced the Great Commission as their own personal life mission, that's why you were saying that the labourers are few. Few people out there in the harvest because they're looking to somebody else, some professional to do it. But Lord, we can all do it. That's your word to us today. We're a royal priesthood and a holy nation. Kings and priests. A priest, someone to stand between man and God to minister. Oh God, help us. And not only just a priesthood, but a royal priesthood. A priesthood that has authority. That came from Jesus. Even as he said, as the Father sent me, so I send you. And what's more than this... Your people need to know that you chose them. They didn't choose you. And so there's no mistake. (laughs) I chose you. So Father, 
Give us the strength, the wisdom, the enthusiasm to spread the good news as far as we can. Bless your people, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Are we, I don't know where we are in time, but I just got a burden on my heart this morning uh, for the church here. And I, I started to share some of the thoughts that God's been speaking to me. That, that you're going to look back in, in a year's time and you are going to look back and say, Do you know, we thought we were okay, but actually, how superficial were we? Because God's going to show you and take you much deeper. And uh, I don't want to make any comment because I know what's gone on and I, I make no comment about that. But it's all been... A pra- God's never caught off balance. <laughs> He's never surprised at what goes on. He sometimes can be a bit disappointed but he's always... You know, right at the beginning when Adam and Eve blew it he was right there with the answer, Right? <laughs> The seed of the woman will bruise his, will crush his head. So God's not taken off balance. But I believe that the Lord would have me just to encourage you that you are, it's not, it's not a new thing in a sense, but God is able, well able to finish off what he started. You know, you look at the Garden of Eden and it all went wrong. But God isn't going to destroy it, isn't going to rubbish it, isn't going to throw it away. He's going to restore everything that was lost in the garden. The river of life will be there. The tree of life will be there. Just as it was in the garden city, just as it was in the garden of Eden. And he's going to, he's going to fulfil his plans and purposes. And... Uh, <coughs> At the risk of embarrassing you, Brian, I feel like the Lord's been speaking to me about you, mate. And I'd like to share that with you. And I, and I feel to do it publicly because uh, you'll then be held accountable for it. <laughs> but you, the Lord's told me that you are not the man that left here those few years ago that he's done a work in you that goes so deep you don't even understand it yourself. You haven't got any airs and graces. You've got no um, <coughs> desires to be top dog or in control. You're not interested anymore. God has placed his heart in you and you are learning to think like him, speak like him and act like him. And uh, he... And the Lord showed me, the Holy Spirit said to me, it's like his name's been changed from Brian to Cephas to Peter. You're a rock. You're a foundation. And what's going to happen in this place, God is raising up foundation stones. You can raise up an Ebenezer and say, thus far the Lord has helped us, but you've only go so far. It's interesting, Ebenezer's a stone, and I know you're working in stonework and stuff like that. But I want to tell you that you're going to move on and you may continue to do all of that but you have a role to play in this church. And you, Ben, too. Because what this church needs is security. It needs solidity. It needs foundation. 
And uh, this man has shown me that you're not insecure at all. You're a humble guy, but you're not insecure. You know exactly who you are, and you're not afraid to have older uh, men, more experienced men around you, because, and these guys will honour you and respect you regardless of anything. They believe in you. And he's not insecure. So you don't have to hold back. I believe God is placing a foundation stone. And it's no comment or criticism of anything that's gone past. We're not looking back. We're only looking forward. We're onward and we're upward. But Brian, you're part of it. And I know you perhaps even don't want to be, but I'm telling you, that's what the Lord's saying to you. Whether you like it or not, I could care less. I'm out of here on Tuesday. <laughs> and I'm not making light of it, but what I'm saying to you, sometimes, it, you know, I don't know what you're dealing with and what you're struggling with. And there's some stuff in your life that you're going through, but you, you are going to cope with it. You're not only going to cope with it, but you're going to come out of it smelling like roses. There's some stuff in your life, you're going to come out of it smelling like roses because you're, because you're bringing the attitude and the mind of Christ into that situation because God's done something very deep in you and you're not interested in the accolades, you're not interested in the position, but you've got a Father's heart in you and he's establishing you. And this is a safe place for you, Brian. This is a safe place for you. And... That, what I've been talking about, you know all about that. That's exactly where you're at. And it takes people to be where you're at for others to see how it works out in the marketplace. So, but don't get too embroiled in all the programs and stuff like that. But it's who you are is what you bring, not what you do. Amen? And I don't know, folks, maybe people here today, and you're perhaps looking and maybe hoping that perhaps some people that have left will come back and some of you may try hard to get people to come. Don't, don't try. Let God bring back those that, that he wants to come back and let the others go. It's a new day. You'll never capture, capture yesterday again. You'll never recapture it. Let it go. If God wants them, bring them. All you do is go around full of Jesus. And you know, when you see fruit, when you see them apples ripe on the tree, guess what? It attracts people. It's all you need to do. It's all you need to do. And I, I was in tears this morning, Brian, for you. But it's good news, mate. Really. It's incredible. I'd like to pray, pray with you as well. That would be good, wouldn't it? Uh, I, I'm just going to hand it back to you. I don't want to overstep the, the time. And, and I sense there's, there's I, I believe there's power present to heal. Not necessarily physically, but discouragements and disappointments. 
I don't think it's a one-time thing. I, I don't believe in necessarily in altar calls because I think oh, they just come up and shove a dub a do over you for five minutes and, and everything's all right. That ain't how it works. That isn't how it works. It works by allowing the Holy Spirit to do His work day after day after day, forgiving, releasing, setting free. Line by line, precept upon precept. But I sense there's there's the power of God is present to heal. I sense there's a prophetic spirit in the place. I don't know how that will work out. You know as much as I do. But I believe that that's the case. Hmm. Ben, you're not a, a front person in the sense of getting up there and doing your thing. But you have not grasped anything, you've not tried to argue, you've not tried to fight stuff. But you've, you've been there looking at it and hurt, discouraged, um, disappointed. But God's saying to you that this is another time for you this is a new thing for you this isn't new it's a continuation of all that you had in your heart before and it's going to take some time to just trust and believe but it's there and he's bringing it forth and and you are really important in this place not because you stand up there and do the hippie hippie shake or any of that stuff but because you bring a security to this place and a solidity to it. And people perhaps don't realise the importance that you serve in, in the house. They don't. Because you're not out there doing it all. But you bring a wisdom. But you don't just bring a worldly wisdom. You bring something out of a well of spiritual experience. And uh, I really see that in you. And, it, and I've only just seen it, to be honest. After all these years of knowing you, meeting with you from time to time I've only just really seen it and God has shown me that you have come back it's good that you, you, you're bang on you're in the right place at the right time and I don't know where that will lead to but I know it's important you and Brian are really important in this and you need to know that you probably already know it but it doesn't hurt to be confirmed right I don't know where that will lead you but, but I believe you are, going, you are going to continue to be everything that God's called you to be. Be encouraged. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. I'll tell you what, uh, Quentin, I'll tell you what I'd really like to do. I'd really like you to have these two guys out with you and I'd like to pray with you. I mean, I know there's others that you've got on your team 
and I know that Quinton, as time goes on, he will build his team. But just at this very present moment, I, I see something there that I, I really would love to pray over with you. If, you, if, you, if that's okay. Would that be okay? Yeah. Yeah, Brian and, and, and Ben, would you just come? And, uh, I, I, and I know your wives are integral in this as well, but I, I just feel that there's an anointing, a corporate anointing to go on you guys that will flow off you right over the body. I really believe that, if that's okay. And that's exactly how I would have you stand as well. Aaron and her. Either side.